listening to Detroit Today. I'm Laura Weber Davis. I'm here with Jake Neer. We're filling in for Stephen Henderson today. American Muslims are often the subject of media attention in moments of crisis or political uncertainty. Muslims in the media industry then often have to fight an uphill battle for accurate representation. BuzzFeed writer Ahmed Ali Akbar is at the forefront of that struggle with his new podcast called See Something, Say Something, which is a tongue-in-cheek reference to New York's infamous counterterrorism campaign. On the podcast, Ahmed attempts to uncover issues and conversations, taking place across the full range of the American Muslim population. Ahmed sat down recently with Detroit Today associate producer Ria Basha to talk about the podcast and about being Muslim in America. Your show is called See Something, Say Something. But how many people think it's part of some, you know, TSA counter-extremism um, initiative? Well, uh, in New York City, it is all over the subway. Mm-hmm. So in New York City... People give me a look when I say it, but then I explain the show and that it's about being Muslim in America, and they're like, "Oh, it's so it's sort of like a joke." And I was like, (laughs) "Yeah, it's it's a little, a little, little bit of a little tongue in cheek," Um, but uh, I think when you search for it on Facebook, uh, you probably find some things that you're not looking for. Yeah, right. (laughs) So you get some looks for sure. Yeah. And just this first year of the show, I mean, happened to premiere, you know, and what ended up being a really big year for Muslims in America, right? right. Um, So what has your experience been like? You know, um, the ebbs and flows, or I guess even how did you see the show changing after the election? So when I first uh, sort of pitched the show to BuzzFeed with, um, like, my Mm editor-in-chief, a lot of it was about this idea of providing a space for Muslims to talk about their community and their culture and their differences, because the Muslims are a very diverse community, Mm without having to worry what outside communities think, without having to police what they say to talk as I might naturally talk with my friends. Um, But then with Donald Trump's election, it was very clear that we had to respond to politics and talk to about the outside world. And not that Muslims are like siloed off in any way, but there is like any community, there's a difference when you are with your family and friends in your living room compared to like being in your workplace or being, um, you know, on Twitter. Mm, um, mm. So, uh, yeah, it was it changed a lot after that. Um, sure. But we still tried to remember that it was primarily a place for Muslims to talk to each other and figure out, like, the complexities of what it means to be Muslim in America. Right. Um, but a lot of that is now dealing with the uh, Islamophobia and anti-Muslim bias that has become so mainstreamed mm. um, in the last couple of months. So how do you then decide who the show is for? There are a lot of these communal conversations that we have to have, right? You know, you did a lot on um, racism and activism just during mm-hmm. Ramadan. Um, but then there are also these conversations oriented outwards and what are perceptions of Muslims, again, like you said, in the workplace, the rest of society. So how do you decide who it's for? And then how do you make sure the people who are listening to it are, are being addressed? So we... Our listenership is very mixed. Mm -hmm. I think it has found a Muslim listener base, and I know a lot of Muslims who listen to it. But we also have, like, a lot of um, nice NPR people, like those (laughs) of you listening to this, um, who are not Muslim who listen in. And um, I think we set our boundaries clearly Mm -hmm. um, for ourselves. And we don't really—we set our boundaries clearly that we would— if something was easily Googleable, mm. um, we wouldn't waste too much time defining it. Or if like everyone in the room like naturally understood what it meant. Words like halal, mm. which have 
been villainized in the media, despite just being like a word like kosher. Um, we never define halal. So it's that like explanatory comma sort of thing. Right? Yeah, we we are careful with the explanatory comma with being like halal, which is a type of ritual slaughter that Muslims do. You know, that's not how Muslims right. talk to right, each other, right? right? right. Yeah. But there are times where like maybe we'll talk about something like during Ramadan, um, somebody brought up a type of spiritual practice um, that I was not super familiar with. And I was like, um, I actually don't know what that means. Can you explain it to me? Which is very common for Muslims because... I think oftentimes people think we're a monolith. We're all like this big brown bearded blob from the Middle East. But there are Muslims who are from every part of the globe. And there are a huge population of converts, especially in America. So there's a lot that we don't understand about each other. Mm -hmm. And um, we give ourselves the space to ask those questions. And I think for a non-Muslim audience, that's also useful like Mm -hmm. because... We are learning from each other, and we're learning from each other in an authentic way. And the internet is such a wonderful resource that if you didn't quite get all the nuances of the conversation, right. um, you still feel included, and you can back yourself up with supplemental information. What have reactions been like from within the Muslim community? Because um, something I think kind of complicates it a little bit is that podcasts are kind of new to our mm-hmm. community, right? We don't have, th- there's certainly a lot of media um, focused on Muslims, but Muslim-produced um you know, and curated content um, is kind of few and far between, right? So what what have people been saying? I'm so lucky to have gotten a lot of love from the community. Mm. Um, and uh, that doesn't mean that, that we haven't been without critique, but I think mostly that thing that you've just mentioned, that there's a desire for Muslim-created content um, and with Muslim voices behind it, mm. Um, means that people have supported us a lot. And so that's been really wonderful. Um, there's been some, you know, like interesting conversations about like what kind of voices to uh, put on the show um, that we are always debating. Um, we're always careful to make sure that we do our best to make sure it's not just the Muslims we see in the media already that are the talking heads, which is to say like mostly South Asian right. and Arab uh, Muslims of a certain like background and style um, and uh, that also means sometimes we don't um, we haven't it's like we've been tr- thinking about how to include traditional Muslim voices and sometimes people say you know I'd like to hear like a more orthodox or religious perspective mm-hmm. um, but of course as a journalist religion is very dicey sometimes yeah. to get into on a show and we when we do talk about it we do it in like a controlled environment but, you know, I've had some traditional Muslims who listen. And I have one amazing fan who just, like, listens in every week. And she says, you know, I love the variety of perspectives you've brought. Um, I would like to maybe hear, like, a more traditional perspective. Mm-hmm. And I always think about that. And I think try to b- think of different ways to bring it in. Um, but, like, it's always a question of who can talk best about whatever subject we want to talk about. Um um, but you can see she was like, she's always been consistently loving about it. She's like, I really like what you did. Like, this is so good. <laughs> and I don't agree with everything everyone has said, mm. but I really appreciate it. It's constructive. It. Yes, very constructive. <laughs> the Muslim community has been incredibly constructive in, in responding to see something say something. The show is kind of billed as this, you know, man on the street or person on the street perspective from the Muslim community. But you're coming with um, a master's, right, from Har- from the Harvard Divinity School in Islamic Studies. Um so you're no amateur yourself, right? <laughs> I'm definitely still an amateur. A master's degree, don't let anyone tell you that a master's degree makes you <laughs> suddenly the most proficient person. I basically just took like an extra two years of classes with 
Arabic and maybe some stuff on Muslims in America. And it certainly has helped me be qualified to talk about the, these things mm-hmm. in a um, ex, like a more uh, accurate manner. Um, but I don't think I have the mastery. Um, and that's why I still really open it up for questions. And I never try to presume to know too much. Um, but it is funny because like I did go to grad school to study American, American Muslims, but I, and I wanted to go to a PhD, but I realized like I wanted to write more and I wanted to talk to real people more and have people read my work more. Um, so I made this pivot into media and it's been like the best thing that ever happened to me. I was a writer also before the podcast in case Uh listeners didn't know for about (laughs) two years at BuzzFeed. Representation is something that I think the Muslim community could does talk forever about, yeah. right? Is that yeah. um, we're too apologetic. Uh, we need to be unapologetic. We're too yeah. whitewashed. We're too reactive. Yeah. Um, so where do you see the show fitting into all of that? What was it like to take on that task of representing the Muslim community? So I think I certainly have a perspective. And um, I think as all people do and journalists do, even though, you know, uh, in J school, I'm sure they tell you to be neutral. <laughs> uh, I didn't go to J school. I came out into media through the side. <laughs> baptism so. by fire. Yeah, don't totally baptism by fire. Um, but, uh, like, it's not, there's not, like, two sides. People like to often do traditional versus not traditional. Mm-hmm. But it's more complicated than that. There's nuance. There's a lot of nuance. There's yeah. a lot of stuff in the middle. There's a lot of people in the middle who, um, you know, take from many different traditions. And uh, I think we want to have, like you said, sort of like a... Um, apologetic and simplified version of Islam, but it's, you know, it's just really not, that's just really not the reality. Yeah. Um, so I try to represent that as best as I can. This summer has been kind of the summer that I've dubbed in my head, the summer of the Muslim man, mm-hmm. right? You know, from Aziz Ansari and Master of None to uh, Hassan Minaj's Homecoming King, you know, being re-released on Netflix um, sure. to The Big Sick, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kind of blockbuster success it found at the theaters. Um, So as a Muslim man, (laughs) and that is the only time I'll probably preface a question like that, um, where are you at, you know, with the success of those kinds of stories, right? Um, I think a critique we hear often is that it's, quote unquote, Islam light, Uh you know, or very friendly to um, liberal Muslims, you know, maybe, or um, that it is very much centered around Muslim men, mm-hmm. right? Um, so where are you at with that? And where do you think those reactions from the Muslim community um, tell us about where we are at collectively? So I have watched two out of those three, mm-hmm. um, which is I've seen Kumail Nanjiani's Big Sick and Aziz Ansari's Master of None. And I did enjoy them. I think for many years, um, people were saying, uh, you know, we need pers- we need representation of Muslims that are not just terrorists or not just, you know, the exotic other. Yeah. And certainly these movies have succeeded at movies and TV shows have succeeded at portraying a different kind of Muslim than we've seen in the past. But as you've mentioned, there are many limitations to mm-hmm. the perspective uh, in those. They're very narrow views of what st- of what it means to be Muslim. Um for instance, in both of the—I'm going to talk about Aziz and Kumail's, their only Muslim experience is with their family. Yeah. Like, their family is siloed off. There's one side mm. where their Muslimness is, and it's at home, and it's— It's like double life. It's the past. Thing, right? Right. It's, the, it's, a, it's a double— And, so, you know, neither of them are quite living a double life. They're sort of like um, a little bit—I think it's a little— What's nice about those is they're actually a little bit past the double life aspect. Mm. It's not like a total secret. It's just like 
they're just like navigating the space in a way that is very um like they take their muslimness into their uh non-muslim world and they sure. take their non-muslimness into their muslim world but it's like a little uncomfortable but for a a lot of people there is a middle ground um you know we have like i have a lot of muslim friends and um i you know don't have that conflict with my parents mm-hmm. um but to your point about like the liberal Muslim trope, I think it is like a safer and more palatable thing for people to accept that like, oh, look at these Muslims who drink and they, you know, eat pork and, you know, they're like just like us. Um, but the reality is Muslims don't have to be just like every other person to be given their humanity. They sure. still deserve their humanity and their ability to be who they are um, without having to like acquiesce to what are like, you know, you could call them Western norms, although I don't agree with that because, you know, I know that I know plenty of people in Pakistan who drink, <laughs> no matter how much my parents yeah. like, to, like to tell me that nobody in Pakistan drank, people nope. in Pakistan drink. Um, and it's not a battle between those two things. And uh, you shouldn't have to reject one part of your identity to be accepted by the other. And it's a, it's a, it's a struggle both ways, I think, because Muslims also struggle in the opposite way. Do you think the Muslim community sometimes focuses too much on representation, right, as a means to, I don't know, I mean, it's it's not the cure-all, right? So where, where do you think we need to go? Well, I think um, people think representation will end stereotypes. Right. Um, and every representation also begins new stereotypes, as we're seeing for mm-hmm. this thing where we were all waiting for, like, a non-terrorist portrayal of Muslims <laughs> written by Muslims. And then we realize, oh, there's complications. Right. It's not as simple. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I do think we do um, over-focus on representation, but that doesn't mean we should not always, always, always think about it and center it in our work if we're people in media. Ahmed Ali Akbar will be hosting his podcast live at the Arab American National Museum in Dearborn this Sunday. Check it out on their website. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs>